Hello, hello, and welcome to an exciting episode of the Pick and Play podcast where we're going to be broadcasting while watching baseball and basketball. What a crazy fucking world we're living in. And as always, we would be nothing without the second half of this group. Leo, how are you doing? The NBA's back, baby! The NBA is And I got back. a cold beer in front of me. I'm feeling great. Cold beer. So a couple things are going to be different about this pod. First one is this. We're watching live sports. Second one is we've both been drinking. So we are going to be a little off the cuff. What we're going to be doing with this episode is just kind of riffing a bit. Um, I'm watching the Yankees and the Nationals play. It is currently 2-1 to one in the top of the second. Uh, we have the... Uh, I guess it's a scrimmage of the Lakers and the Mavs on. Lakers are currently winning 29-22. And I guess what we're going to do is we're going to talk about basketball. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to riff and we're going to go from there. When we feel like we're no longer giving you content, we'll go ahead and close this up and send it out. But this is uh, a first for us. We're branching out. And let's start. How are you feeling? Man, I feel so good. I feel so good. Yesterday, I was watching. Um, I watched the Pelican scrimmage, and I watched the Nuggets scrimmage. And so I, like the rest of the world, overreacted to Bobo, future MVP Bobo. Uh, but I, I'm just excited to have basketball back, man. I don't give a damn if it's a scrimmage. Yeah, it took one day for people to go. Well, hold on a minute. Uh, it's. Uh, I tweeted that out. I said, "Well, let's let's relax just a tiny bit over a scrimmage." Um, I, I totally get it. Uh, we are so starved that a giant lineup had everyone pretty much all the way tits out erect. Because <laughs> we, everyone's like, oh my god, what if the Nuggets roll out this seven-foot lineup? And I go, yeah, well, Houston wrote the, uh, Houston wrote the script for how to deal with that four years ago. Uh, yeah, going to hang 150 on them if they tried that. Yes. So it was funny. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people got a good kick out of it. And here we see right now J.R. Smith signed July 1st for NBA restart. Look at him. I mean, right now you're looking at the Lakers. Uh, they've lost a couple people due to COVID who aren't going to come back. They signed J.R. Smith. Is there any part of you when they signed J.R. Smith where you were like, oh, God damn it i mean i can't say i I wasn't jumping for joy when i saw that jr smith got signed but at the same time the lakers all year they lacked guard depth so with avery bradley missing and rondo missing uh, they had to sign someone the options aren't great especially for people who are you know proven and tested in the playoffs at least jr has been there many times oh many times because he gets dragged there by lebron which there's got to be something to this guy that, you know, uh, we all see in terms of who he is as a player, but LeBron loves him. I don't know what it is. He hit that three, man. His catch and shoot three is solid. It and, is. And so that's why I wasn't mad when they when they signed him because you can't be mad at adding three-point shooting his, ever, like his, period. His catching ability did hurt them last year, though. I know we're talking about half of a catch and shoot, but he caught that rebound really well last year. And uh, <laughs> and you know if he would have if he would have if he would have been a catch and shooter, they would have won game one, and who knows what happens. But he was more of a catcher. Uh, 
We'll see what happens. Ooh, look at that. Hard fouls be given out already. Dwight Howard, who doesn't believe in vaccines at 9.04 on the clock, gives out a really tough screen, gets called for it. Um, Let me tell you this. Uh, My problem with Dwight Howard, and uh, he's had some comments recently that he's anti-vaccine and anti-mask. How dumb do you have to be to believe in those things going into a bubble to prevent them? Yeah, I I don't know, man. (laughs) With Dwight, I I don't really know what he's on. I don't really have an explanation for it either. I hope he plays good basketball. (laughs) (laughs) That's politics. He he can keep that to himself, I guess. That's spoken exactly how someone who, uh, like, it's your player. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you can't make fun of your own kids. You know, it's it's one of those things like, you can make fun of your kids, but when someone else makes fun of your kids, you're like, well, that's crossing a line. Uh, <laughs> sports are very much the same way. You know, oh, here's Dwight Howard. Why is he running all the way out to, to <laughs> defend Porzingis 15 feet behind the three-point line? But, you know, he's there. It's effort, right? Doesn't get that rebound. Um, oh, yeah, you notice how Jan Lucas, this man's been outside the whole time. Look, quarantining out on the beaches with the beaches you know it's uh he must be this man looks dark as hell right now look he i love the mavs and what they're gonna bring and i think a big thing is this we see luca in this game we haven't really seen a ton of the stars on the Lakers side look at him he's just good uh luca Doncic is going to be a star of the nba for years to come in my opinion ed uh it's really nice watching live sports again but Doncic has a, he has such good control over the ball. Yeah, I, he never looks like he's panicked out there. He always is calm, collected. The thing that I I like the most about uh, uh, Doncic is Doncic the the ability for him to. Okay, so when he's at the top of the key, you'll notice a moment where he gathers the ball. And in that split second where he's gathering, he will immediately go to dribble. He can see everything. He sees all the potential moves of people, where they're going to put their feet, where he should then gather and then go up for the ball. You know, he's talking to the ref. He wants to understand how the ref is looking at the game because he's going to adjust to that. These are the things that when I watch sports, I look for. I look for the stars are always talking to the refs. They're all, and here he comes, Granddaddy James. He uh, Did he just, hold on, I'm, I'm interrupting my thought. Did LeBron James just not, uh, you know, uh, gray for men, the corner of his beard today. Um, but you look at, I don't know. He's been rocking the, the gray beard lately. I don't know if he was dying it before, or if this just all came in, but he's looking a little older now. I want to see a full gray beard with a shaved head. I want to see old man winter come for everybody. That's what I want to see. But, <laughs> but here's a great example. Uh, you know, uh, Doncic looks at the lane, sets up the offense, drives, scores, easy bucket. That was a perfectly easy bucket. Uh, what I'm looking for when I look at these scrimmage games, because they're not going to go all out. They're just looking to get their athleticism back, their pop back, their juice back against uh, high-quality opponents. Here's what I'm looking for going into these scrimmages. Do you get out of it without injuries? I don't care about the score. How does your team look? How do your point guards look? When you want to set up a play, how does it look? Do the, are the point guards, whoever handles your bar, it's not always a point guard, uh, whoever handles your bar, is he frustrated? 
Does it seem like they can't get people to the spots they want? I think this is what people need to look for when you look at preseason games and these scrimmages, is how do the people that control the flow of the game appear? Are they happy with the way the team's moving? Are they angry? Do they turn towards the bench to yell at the coach? And this is just a scrimmage. But these are the things that are going to show the cohesiveness of a team when you, we get to the uh, you know this this mini sprint of an end of a season and when you want to win money these are the things you need to look for what does it look like cohesively how do the teams uh conduct themselves how do the the leaders what do they feel if you watch a team and they seem frustrated the whole time they're out there i think you're going to be hard pressed for that to translate into a winning formula come game time. I think you need to focus on that. And as we watch these games and, and, and we're bringing you our updates, how do the captains feel? How do the coaches feel? I do believe that the, the captains of the team are going to have a better understanding of where the team's at than the coaches. I, I just do. I think that the uh, the team the team is closer together in lockdown in Orlando than the coaches are. Um, and I think the coaches, uh, are, for the most part, I would say are probably trying to maintain distance because they understand the importance of them being there when you get to the playoffs. So it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, as we watch through this game, uh, what are you trying to key on? I've been watching pace, really. Uh, I want to see how fast these teams are running. I want to see are they, you know, are they grabbing and going? And you know, I'm really looking for conditioning and pace. Uh, that's what I've been looking for in the last couple of days. It, you, you can kind of tell who's really been who's working and, and who's not working if you watch these scrimmages closely. Because some of these guys, you, you can tell the difference when you're looking at it, and, and if you watch it with the sound off, if you can tell if it's a scrimmage or not. You know, like right now I have it muted. And to me, this Lakers-Mavericks game looks like they're really balling. Like they're, this does not look like a scrimmage to me. They're trying to win out here. And that's what I'm looking for because both of these teams know that they're going to be playoff teams. They know that they might face each other down the line and they're taking it seriously. So I'm really looking to see who's taking this seriously and who looks like they're just kind of, you know, trying to shake some rust off because I think that's a there's a telling difference between those two approaches. Yeah, and uh, I think we mentioned this a couple times on the pods. What we want to see is that conditioning. And, and part of the things that I've believed in is these strong coach teams that will have the conditioning that are ready to go. Um, I don't think we're going to see much of AD during this any scrimmage at any point uh, just because of his injury history. I believe LeBron you'll see a lot of because when we talk about the floor generals, we want to see how the team flows and reacts to the floor general. It's not so much an important piece to have uh, the ancillary pieces around, but how people feel around Doncic, how people feel around um, LeBron James, these are all important. Uh, I would almost, you know what, I'll tell you this. I've seen Porzingis now for a good bit of the game. I don't I'm surprised actually that he played as much as he did. I already. am super fucking surprised, but I trust Rick Carlisle, who is furious. But uh, I really, I do. Uh, that, that's kind of the point, Look, right? Lebr LeBron is—he looks like he's ready. 
Yes, and well, LeBron is ready. LeBron's out there to see how everyone's going to look up, but we see a little sloppy with the handles there. Uh, and 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 this is what we're talking about: the fine tune. Players that feel like they need something to work on are going to be out there, and LeBron's out there because he wants to work on his communication. Doncic is out there because he wants to work on his communication. You don't need players like AD out there as much. The communication with AD doesn't need to be there. AD knows what he's going to do. He's going to play in the box and be an absolute monster. If he's got to step out, he will. But that's that's not important to the in in terms of this practice. That's not important to team success. The, right. Uh, I mean, uh, AD did start the game, but we haven't seen him since maybe. You know, I think he played maybe five or six minutes, and he's been out since then. Yeah, and LeBron's standing on the other team hoop. He is not going to move. Um, look at him back there. But that, I, to me, that's our driving force right now. Uh, you have players that feel like they need to be in control and get control of potentially a new-looking team. Uh, LeBron we see out there. We see Doncic. Your leaders are going to be playing through these scrimmages, in my opinion. If you're leaders, right. you see waiters out there with LeBron right now. I think Vogel's playing around to see what lineups work best with LeBron, with Kuzma, with Dwight. You know, those three are going to get consistent minutes no matter what. You see him out there with Dudley right now and with uh, with waiters. He's he's tinkering around trying to see what lineups he can play with. So I don't think it's so much looking for output. I think what they're looking for is tape work. And, and what I mean is, how do they respond? Uh, you know, right, just because right. you go on a, a ten point run doesn't necessarily mean you were successful. Um, there's a uh, shit. I don't know. Ten point run. That sounds pretty successful. It sounds good, but you're in a scrimmage. Uh, the idea of a scrimmage isn't to win the game; it's to work on things. It's like right. uh, you know, it's like working out as opposed to being out on the field and playing on Sundays. You you're in the gym, and just because you put up good numbers in the gym doesn't mean you're going to be successful. I need to look at everything. Um, And I think that's what the best coaches are going to do a really good job of looking at these scrimmages and find out who's reading and reacting and up to the current pace of players. Uh, Who's ready to make decisions? I see Dwight out there nonstop. He's been out there now this whole quarter, and he was in there going into it. Do I believe that Dwight Howard is going to take Anthony Davis' spot? No, <laughs> but no, no. right. But there's a reason we're seeing Davis. Davis needs to work on his com- not Davis. The reason we're seeing Howard, he needs to work on his communication. LeBron still needs to get comfortable with him. These are things you're gonna see. Just because you go on a ten point run doesn't necessarily mean you're being successful. It, 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 the other team could be complete poo poo caca and be putting out third string players that you're whipping up on. Uh, there's a... I would expect the Lakers to rotate through their guards pretty regularly, uh, just because without Bradley, without Rondo, like there's minutes there that need to be filled, and they need to figure out who is going to fill those minutes. Yeah, do you think that Jr. is ready to step on the court right now? Uh, I don't know. We haven't seen him all year. Well, so... we we haven't seen him today either. I I don't know. I don't know when it comes to Jr. I don't know how good a shape he kept himself in while he was gone. Uh, again, like I was saying before, I don't expect Jr. to play big minutes on this team, regardless. So I, I wouldn't expect to see him too much, but he'll have his role off the bench. Just don't expect the you know the thirty minutes 
like he was playing in Cleveland. That's not going to happen here. Who do you think is going to be the bubble superstar? We have eight games. They're going to be everyone's going to watch. Is there a player on a team that uh, normally doesn't get the media spotlight that you think is going to become a darling during this time? Um, my, my personal pick, for instance, I, I'm going to go with uh, who I think the rookie of the year is going to be and Ja Morant of the uh, Grizzlies. Do you believe that there might be another player out there that because we're going to get national exposure to could blow up? I think we've already seen it, but it's not for on-the-court reasons. Uh, I think you've seen, or we've seen, Matisse Thibel kind of blow up out of nowhere. Uh, I don't think anyone knew who Matisse, well, I won't say anyone, but, excuse me, the casual fan definitely didn't know Matisse Thibel going into this season or into this bubble. And since, have you seen the the series of, of Inside the Bubble videos he's been making? Uh, no, not him specifically. You should check them out. They're really good. But he, like, he's, I think, the first 24 hours, his last video uh, came out, he was at 400,000 views or something like that. Jesus. I, I can tell you that Matisse Thibel was not getting 400,000 views uh, prior to the bubble. So we've already kind of seen one star appear out of nowhere. Uh, but for on-the-court reasons, I, I don't really have anyone in mind. If it's going to be someone, it's going to be a young player that blows up. Uh, like we saw Bol Bol put up what sixteen and ten yesterday, and the, the shit almost burned down to the ground. Look, uh, Twitter. <laughs> I think you that you know what? Who I could see actually stealing the spotlight if they can show some LeBron James. Uh, he, I mean, he gets attention right now. This isn't a situation where he doesn't normally get attention, but um, oh, my bad, I got a phone call. Um, my boy Ben Simmons. If, ben, Simmons. If ben Simmons can come out and actually shoot. He's been talking about how he's going to shoot in the bubble. Do I believe him? Uh, not really. But if he does, if he comes out shooting, don't let him hit a couple threes because he will turn into that media darling that you're describing right now. If Ben Simmons shoots one fucking three pointer, it would blow my <laughs> fucking mind. <laughs> uh, wouldn't it blow your mind? Wouldn't it blow yeah. your fucking mind I'm if he went out and shot a three? That's what he's advertising. I have seen him advertise that dog shit for so long. Oh, he he's... How many training videos do I have to watch on Ben Simmons in a practice or a scrimmage somewhere? Shoot a fucking shot. Shoot a shot from more than four feet from around the basket. And everyone go, well, he's capable. I just can't figure out why he doesn't do it during games. I'm done. I'm not falling into that hype. You cannot get me to buy into the Ben Simmons hype based on him shooting in an open gym. I've seen it for two years now. The guy has zero confidence when he brings it out. How many, here's what I want to know. How long did you have to leave that video running to catch him make a basket? Uh, Days? (laughs) Months? Was it weeks? Because we only get these updates like once every three weeks that he made a basket. I'm just saying. <laughs> does this be honest? Let's just be honest. Ben Look, Simmons. All I'm saying is I, I've seen. I know what you. If he does come out and hits just two, if he hits two, two or three, that that's gonna be it. Yeah, He's over, be all over Sports Center. If is he, Ben Simmons a shooter now, we're gonna get it on first take. We're if, gonna get it on undisputed. We're going to get it on SportsCenter. 
That's if he shoots two or three in eight games. Uh, and that would be, understand that if he shot three three-pointers in eight games, that would be a dramatic uptick from the one he's taken over 60. That's my well, problem. shoot a fucking three in a scrimmage, it's a scrimmage. Throw that shit up. Uh, look, if he shoots it in a scrimmage, it would blow me away. It's, it's one of the craziest things. Uh, you know what I figured out it is? In the NFL, they have a thing that they do and it's called I am in the best shape of my life in the NBA they do a thing where they say I can shoot the ball it is the fucking equivalent it means nothing I can shoot a ball in practice or in a scrimmage and then on the NFL side uh, the player goes I am in the best shape of my life two things that tells me one you are only in the best shape of your life because it's a contract year, which means you have never wanted it enough. On top of you never wanting it enough, you don't have the ability to bring it there. So you're stuck talking strictly about your physical attributes on a scale of, my God, what a filthy dunk. Um, <laughs> you're talking about your physical attributes on a scale of, well, look how lean I am. But it never, when's the last time you heard someone say they're in the best shape of their life and then they came out that year and you remembered their name? Doesn't happen. It does not happen. Because yeah, the, I can't name anyone off the top of my head. That's because the best players are always in the best shape. That's the fucking key. If people are telling you that so-and-so is in the best shape of their life, what it tells you is two things mentally. One, They've never committed themselves. Two, they haven't committed themselves to that their physical, their physical presence has been lessened every year because of that. So you are then telling me if, oh, oh, oh we got to buy the hype. We got to buy the hype. This person's in the best shape of their life. Okay, so you're buying into a player who has never cared about the sport enough to be in the best shape of their life when we are talking about an athletic activity. So you're buying a loser right off the bat. That's what you're doing. You're saying, I want to buy the loser because the loser is telling me that they're now committed to the sport. They're now going to get in the best shape of their life. After how many years? What do I have to deal with? You know what I mean? Like, oh, they can shoot and practice. Oh, that's wonderful. It's so great. I'm glad you took uh, 400 hours of practice and whittled it down to two jump shots and went, well, what about now? It's, it's, a, it's a loser mentality, and it's only for people who are not applying themselves to the sport. That's how I feel. You know, you were talking about AD not getting a lot of minutes to prevent injury and blah, blah, blah. And I just saw him trip and fall on the ground and my heart stopped a little bit. It, look, AD is get in. Get him out of there. Get, I, I don't um, need to see look, AD right now. You're gonna, I think you're going to see. I don't really want to see him out there right now. I don't want to see Porzingis out there. But they know they got to work on him. But I, I guess my point to that is the Lakers have eight games to work. Eight to get back in shape because they're never going to lose that one seat. Eight games to get in shape. Dallas doesn't have that luxury. 
Um, now we're seeing a lot of Boban. Uh, we did see a lot of Porzingis. These teams that are more desperate, I expect to see more practice time out of them. LeBron may be out there just to, you know, I'll, I'll use this LeBron's term. LeBron's a tank. I'm not worried about him. He can stay out there. LeBron, AD, let's let's relax with AD. LeBron is laying dick. He is fucking going shut out. <laughs> you fucking think I took a day off? You're all fucking dumb. Uh, and this is my fucking land. You're all idiots. I'm here to make this better. Look at his focus just on a free throw line. See, that's who I buy. I buy winners. I buy people who want their team to be better. I buy teams that look like they're interested and head down the whole time. I do not buy people who tell me they're in the best shape ever. I do not buy people that tell me, look at my practice video and tell me how cool I look. I have no interest in those people. These are team games. Your individualness does not set you apart the way you think it does. Yeah, I don't care about your contract. You're here to win. Don't tell me oh, how what a pass. Don't tell me how good you are behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, look. LeBron is gearing himself up for a playoff run right out of the gate. He'll probably win 3 games and then chill out. Ooh. The Curry you brother. You see how he's defending out there? He, he looks like he's given more effort than he did before they stopped. The Curry brother out there forgets which brother he is. Uh, hey, Seth Seth started Seth. the game. Actually, I meant to ask you about that because we got started a little late here. Um, Dallas started with a lineup of Seth Curry, uh, Tim Hardaway. Scoosh. I forget who the other guard that they were playing was, but they were playing Doncic essentially at, at power forward next to Porzingis. I thought that that was it was interesting. That was a new look for them, at least for me. I haven't seen that look too often in the starting lineup. Yeah, you're not going to see it in game time. Uh, you, you're, you're getting kind of whoever they can finagle around and, and kind of, and in my view, you're getting the... Um, oh, Barnes. Barnes is who was starting that for. Sorry. I, I think that that's, that's going to be a lot of what you're looking at. Um, you're going to see players you're not used to. And, and let's be honest, who do you think needs more work? Uh, LeBron James? God, he's down again. LeBron James or, you know, who's ever backing him up? You know, Kyle Kuzma or who's ever backing him up? I really haven't seen much of Caruso, which is interesting. Uh but I, I just think that they're going to get work to the players. They need work. This is the this is the Lakers' first game, uh, first scrimmage. So uh, they could run. I think they've pretty much got their full roster in now at the end of the second, 50 seconds counting down. Lakers up 53-42. Um, yuck, Danny Green. Uh-huh. The Mavs don't have bon- – Finney Smith, that's who the other guy was, Finney Smith. Dorian Finney Smith. I'm sorry. I was sitting here racking my brain like, hold on. Matt, uh, Harrison Barnes is on the Kings. Look at that speed from LeBron there. If I'm him, I just go to the bench and I don't come back out. There's no need. That speed just showed everyone that if you need to, you've still got the fastest two-step. This man AD still in the game, bro. Get him out. What's Vogel doing? Well, I'll tell you this. Did you watch AD on that play? It's kind of what I was talking about. There's no attack on that. He right. he sat back away from the rim. He didn't crash the board. He's there to get a little bit of work, work on communication, and then get the shit out of Dodge. 
I mean, there are eight seconds winding down. LeBron does not have the ball in his hand. This is going to be a horrible shot contested or pass. Yeah, that's why Danny Green. Yeah, it's your best bet. I, I think that's a microcosm there on the last set. Uh, LeBron and AD with their hands on their hips, basically, sitting out while everyone else figures out, you know, how are they going to operate. Uh, and that's what to look for on the scrimmage. How do your leaders feel? And we're going to go back to it. If LeBron at the end of a half has his hands on his hips and is watching someone else control the ball, he feels pretty good. He's comfortable with what he set out to do. Uh, the thing that worried me about the Mavs, they were constantly trying to move that ball through their offense and develop plays. Uh, that, that to me means they're trying to add a little bit of individuality, not individuality, but team camaraderie. Uh, as as we hit the half in a game that doesn't matter that's what you're working on um, to flip topics a little bit right now uh, let's talk about COVID and and what I want to talk about is how do we think it's going to impact teams um, today MLB uh, is kicking off their sport so baseball has started today uh, and MLB has four teams going. The first team at 7 o'clock today, which is on the mound, the Yankees versus the Nationals. Now, the Nationals have a young star of the name of Juan Soto. The guy is really fucking good. Here's the problem. Juan Soto, uh, Juan Soto plays outfield, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'll Google it real quick. Uh, Juan Soto is very fucking young, but very talented. The problem with Juan Soto is yesterday, no, sorry, two days ago, Juan Soto was tested for COVID. The problem is today the results came back. Now, in between him getting the test and getting it back positive, they played the Baltimore Orioles. So the problem that these teams are now facing, and baseball is a microcosm of what's wrong in the world, people that are just completely out of touch with reality, they are testing players in baseball on day one, and then not getting the results back basically for three days from when you've tested. If If you test on Monday, you don't get it back till Wednesday. However you want to do the math, Monday one, Tuesday two, Wednesday three, That's how I count three days. If you got the results back Monday, it would be a one-day turnaround, 24 hours. If you got the results... How do they not have same-day testing? Because because baseball is... uh, I'll be as frank as I can. Baseball is owned by the same fucking people that are fucking up everything else in the United States of America. They're Uh, owned by rich out-of-touch people that have lost their ability to reason, listen to reason and science. And they look at their sport as a cash cow that they should pull the lever and make money. And they should, because that's what it does. The problem is they are rapidly losing that through their sport, through attendance, through TV ratings. These are all down. Baseball is at an all-time low in terms of people who actually watch it. You have got to keep in touch with reality. 
And the NBA did it very well. The NBA has gone into a bubble and had very, very little, almost no positive cases. Now, Juan Soto has tested positive, but he fucking tested positive for two days ago. The Nationals are playing right now in the first game of the season against the Yankees. And they are without their star youngster. And what this is going to mean to everyone out there, for if you follow FanDuel for basketball or baseball, you've got to keep an eye on it. There are players that are going to fall in and out of your lineups. And because baseball doesn't have a firm grip on reality, you're going to have crazy scenarios. And I mean crazy fucking scenarios. Bet the over on every single game this year pitchers are going to bail out Uh, the defense isn't going to be as good but at the end of the day they're going to still be able to hit the ball so look for betting the over in baseball because they have no control over COVID and I think it's going to really really hinder the product that baseball puts on the field baseball to give everyone an idea of where they're at they're still talking right now the season has started we are watching it on the screen over here baseball has started 3-1 uh three the yankees have three the washington nationals have one top of the fourth inning and they're still don't know how many playoff teams they're going to field this year on top of that the toronto blue jays have nowhere to play the toronto blue jays right now do not have a facility to play baseball and the season has started they're in negotiations with multiple cities to try to put their baseball team in there for a season but to give you an idea of how shit piss poor a product that the team that an organization could put out there look no further than baseball one of their stars of the world series team Soto tested positive, played a fucking game, and then got pulled on opening night. We have a team who is in the NB, uh, MLB right now who does not have a home stadium, and the season has started. And on top of all of that, we don't even know how many playoff teams there are going to be. So when you look at sports and you look at individual teams, Look for the teams that are put together, organized, and have a consolidated thought. The teams that put, uh, and this goes into the NFL season, the teams that have already submitted and had a plan approved by the NFLPA and the NFL, look at those teams. Those are going to be the successful teams. They already have a plan, which means they already were thinking. If you don't have a plan approved right now in the NBA, you weren't thinking hard enough. In the NFL, you weren't thinking of the NBA did something crazy and they said, we're going to take this out of the hands of every single fucking team and we're just going to put every asshole in a bubble. The MLB should have done that. The NFL should have done that. They didn't. The NBA has the smartest, smartest commissioner in Adam Silver. And that is going to show in a product where you don't lose your stars during the season. But if you are a betting person, Look for the teams in baseball and NFL that are organized, put together, and have a plan. Don't bet on the teams that aren't. Baseball is dying, but just like everything, um, it'll come back. Uh, Baseball, 
there's a saying that I like that says fear does the job of reason. And, and what it basically boils down to is if you don't act on something, eventually fear causes you to make a decision. And normally out of fear and a juggernaut like the MLB, you get enough chances to make the right decision. If you're large enough, you can fail and fail and fail and fail. And all you need to do is hit it once and you go on a run and you make your money. Baseball's facing that today. We've lived through it. They don't have a salary cap. It cripples what they can put on the field. It just cripples the amount of fans that you can put in seats. I'm an Oriole fan, okay? Uh, what do I have to look for? Into a, uh, if if the NFL came out and said, hey, we're having a seven-game season. Seven games. That would be the equivalent of what baseball just did. Seven games. Uh, I want you to tell me how many teams right now had no chance of making the playoffs. If they said, here's a seven-team format in the NFL. Seven games. How many teams do you think, Leo, would never make the playoffs? Mm, a few. A few. Five. Right? You know, yeah. Carolina, Cincinnati, um, there just aren't Oakland. many. <laughs> o- Oakland, maybe. You know, they expanded the playoffs. Maybe Oakland can get in seven games. You go four and three, you might be in the playoffs. You know, like, but if I look at baseball in a 60-game season, I, I'm writing uh, the, the Orioles. Uh, the Orioles, Boston Red Sox, and Toronto eliminated. Um, go through every division. Three teams are eliminated in a 60-game season. Go through the NBA. Say the NBA played a 30-game schedule. There'd be very few teams you could honestly eliminate from the playoffs. Yeah, that, that would be quite the race right there. So so that's the difference. That's why baseball's dying, because they can't put a competitive product on the field every night. We have opening day tonight, and it is going to be the San Francisco Giants versus the L.A. Dodgers. They're later today. Right now we have the Nationals versus the Yankees. These are your premier teams. Now, uh, your premier youngster has already tested positive for COVID, and he's out, and he was a late scratch. Uh, Clayton Kershaw just went on the DL, who's going to start the late game tonight with back spasm. So the MLB is starting their season with their young star on offense on the Nationals, their uh, World Series winning team. He is out for an undefinite amount of time. Uh, and then on the other side, in the LA Dodgers, uh, a team who's perennially in the the World Series and in the playoffs, they just lost their best player in Clayton Kershaw to the DL. And we don't know what that'll entice. So when you ask me, is baseball dying? Hundred percent, yes. Does that mean they'll die? I think no. But uh, see, I asked that because last season, uh, it's just a quick story. Last season, my employer, which I am not going to go into specifics on who they are, but they have a relationship with the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. And so every year, you know, for the Rays and for the uh, for the Lightning, th- there's free tickets that just get handed out at work, right? Yeah. And so they handed us some free tickets last season to a Rays game. And they were pretty good seats. Like, it's right behind home plate. You know, it's in that first little section right there. They were pretty good seats. So I'm excited. You know, me and my girlfriend go. Um, That stadium was fucking empty. Empty. It was empty. And I know that the Rays don't normally have a big turnout. Like, I know that that's a thing. I'm aware. I live here. But when I tell you I could have picked any part of the stadium and just said, no, I'm just going to sit here. Like, and it would have been fine. I was shocked. 
shocked. Shocked. I could hear like the players yelling at each other on the field. There was no fan noise. There was probably like two thousand people in there. Yeah. And in that moment, I said, "Oh no." <laughs> yeah. You can't give away enough free tickets to fill an NBA MLB stadium. That's where you're at. It's, it's, I, I couldn't believe it. No, look, I, right now on FanDuel, I can't put a lineup together that uses... So I'm on baseball, for instance, right? Uh, I can't put a lineup together with the current starters on opening day that fills out my budget. I have $2,000 to spend, and I have no one to spend it on. <laughs> have you ever had a time in Fandle where you submitted a lineup and looked at it and went, well, you know, I, I could add Tariq Hill, but, you know, fuck it. No, no. No, never. 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 That is the limited talent you're dealing with in baseball. That's where you're at. And that is the problem. And they don't believe in it. They just have no interest in making the sport better until baseball starts getting new ownership, which is going to be a 10 to 15 year chore. They will never get better. You have the wrong owners. I'm sorry. The worst owners in all of sports reside in baseball because they're the oldest and most out of touch. And that's just where they're going to die. A sport and, won't die. You know, you say that you can't you can't give away baseball tickets, and that's funny because that that story that I was telling you about about the Rays game last season, I had two extra tickets, and I I tried to give them away outside the stadium. Like, hey, I got some tickets. Like, you want these? They're free. And I had people looking at me like, nah, I'm straight, man. <laughs> like, I'd I'm rather good. just do like, nothing. These are pretty good seats. You you sure it's free? And they're like, nah, nah, I'm cool. No, yeah, that's where you're at, baseball. And here's the thing. Because of the people running baseball, they don't fucking care. They don't fucking care, man. They look at it as some undeniable... They almost treat it like gold. They're like, oh, at the end of the day, the value just goes up. And you go, yeah, to sell the team. But in 10 years from now, when you've got a 40,000-seat stadium and you can't give away 8,000 tickets, and that's no longer the Tampa Bay Rays, but that's the Baltimore Orioles, the Toronto Blue Jays, the Minnesota Twins, the Cincinnati Reds, the Cleveland Indians. When that's every team other than your perennial Yankees, Sox, L.A. teams, what, what are you really selling? Who are you really appealing to? Um, and that's their problem. The NBA... Uh, put in a salary cap and allowed all these teams to make the playoffs because they realized that having uh, some sort of parity made it all better. The NFL adopted the salary cap, I don't want to say just for parity, they did it for control, but they push on the salary cap very hard because of the parity it provides them. They, they, you know, like I said, there's maybe five teams you would eliminate right now if there was an eight-game NFL season. In baseball, there are 30 teams, and I'd eliminate 18 of them right now. If you said 12 teams make the playoffs this year, I said, oh, perfect, I, I know the 12. If you go, oh, 16 make it, well, it gets a little muddy, but I don't give a fuck about 12 through 6 or 13 through 16. They're all suck. Baseball is dying because it's got the wrong philosophy. The NBA, uh, the NBA struggles a little from it because they're so fucking top heavy. 
But they put in a sal. They need to put in a hard salary cap and not a luxury tax like the NFL has. And then they'll see some of their stars start. You can't put three stars on a team with a hard cap. You can put two, and that's where the NBA should be at. We shouldn't be looking at hard. You know, the big three. No, 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 no. You can only afford two, and then you got to fill the rest. That would enable every team to have two great players, and you'd get. Where are we at in the beginning of the year? Where are we at in the end? And you'd get some con- you'd get some parity. Every sport can benefit from parity. It means the good teams, the ones that are coached well, owned well, uh, those teams thrive. It's not that the bad teams sneak in; they sneak in occasionally, but you just thump them on the head as soon as you get to the playoffs. That's right. my feeling. So let me ask you this: because I think, well, no, not I think. I know that you keep up with baseball more than I do. Who are you betting on to win the World Series? Like, what are the bets looking like? So I've got. Tell me how I can make some money because I'm not that interested in the product. I've got two real bets. With Kershaw out, I had three, and one of them was the Dodgers to win the World Series. With Kershaw out to start the year, um, I've already placed my bet, but I just wouldn't recommend it. Season started, so everyone's effed anyway. Uh, I put it out on Twitter yesterday. I think the best bet over everything is the Tampa Bay Rays to win the World Series at sixteen to one. The what? <laughs> Yeah, really? they've got a really good pitching staff. They they're coached extremely well. They play great defense, and they've got good hitters. The Tampa Bay Rays, for me, I put this is me. I put two hundred dollars on the Rays to win at sixteen to one. The whole thing, I guarantee there'll be a playoff team. I think that when push comes to shove, they're going to be the grittiest team in baseball this year. If you're looking for someone fun to do the opposite on the NL side, you could go the Braves. Although the Braves, I think Nick Markaka, Nick Nick Markakis, he's an ex, he's an ex Oriole. It gets stuck in my head. One time, an announcer called him Nick Markaki, and it gets stuck in my head uh, because I thought it was so crazy to hear. It's Nick Markakis. He's not playing due to COVID. He was a longtime Oriole. Went to the Braves like three years, four, five years ago. Um, he's he was still there. Uh, he was he's a big locker room guy. I think the Braves are in the same position that the uh, Rays are in, although the Rays have a way better uh, starting pitching staff. So the Rays at 16-1 to 1, I think is just an under-the-radar great play for everybody. And the other thing that I'm going to tell everyone to bet on is very simple. The Baltimore Orioles are going to trot out the worst pitching team in baseball, and it's not going to be close. I mean, they're going to be bad, bad, bad. But what they are going to trot out is a bunch of players that can hit home runs. That's going to be their whole mantra. And what? And they have no bullpen, by the way. As bad as their starting rotation is, their bullpen's twice as bad. What that means is you're going to see a ton of points scored against the Orioles. And, and, and I don't mean like, oh, six nothing games. I think that out of 60 games, 30 of the Oriole games, they will give up eight or more runs. So take the over. In every single Oriole game. I'm telling you, I did it last year, and it made me so, so much goddamn money. Because if they win the game, they're never winning a one nothing game. They're going to win a 7-6 slug fight. But most over-unders in baseball are 8 or 9 points. The average ERA of an Oriole pitcher right now is like 5-7, which means just from that Orioles Ugh. pitcher, right. And that So that's our starters. Like... If and we are two starting pitchers for opening, like our two, our number one and our two guy on the Orioles, they're both out. 
So what you're getting from the Orioles is you will get their number three, their number four, their number five, and then you're going to get bullpen people. Mind you, the bullpen's worse than the starting rotation. Also, starting this year, baseball has a rule where uh, people in the bullpen need to pitch against three people before being subbed out. So you lose a competitive advantage from that perspective anyway. Betting against the Orioles and taking the over in every single game, I believe, will make you so much fucking money that you'll be baffled that no one else is doing it. I think that after 30 games, the average over-under for an Oriole game will be around 13 runs, which is crazy shit. But people are going to find a hard fucking time not taking the over even with that because if I told you the final score was going to be 9-5, to you'd believe it of every single Oriole game. Because another thing that happens in baseball is if, let's say your team fucking sucks. You're the Baltimore Orioles. And you're, you're playing against the Yankees. And you're down 7 nothing, Right? And it's the fifth fucking inning. Who are the Yankees going to bring out from their bullpen? Do you think they're bringing their ace out? Or do you think they're bringing their, you know, schmuck muck guy? Uh, schmuck yeah, muck guy. You're up. I guess the trash guy. Right, because you're up seven. If it gets within four, you'll bring out your good pitchers. So guess what that means? Have schmucks. Everyone has schmucks. Every fucking team has schmucks. Everyone's got four or five people in their bullpen with a five ERA. Oh, he's a lefty. Yeah, fuck him. He's got a five ERA. That guy is going to get more play against the Orioles than anyone else. And that's great because you want to save your good players for good teams, and I totally get it. But the Orioles are going to get an opportunity with a high batting, uh, a high octane offense in terms of home runs against everyone's worst talent because there's no point in playing your best bullpen guys. Occasionally, the Orioles get whipped 5 nothing, and you won't hit your over. But for the most part, the Orioles are going to give up seven to eight runs a game, and they're going to score four. So uh, if you can find over-unders under than 11, take them every single time. My three bets, the Dodgers, the Tampa Bay Rays at 16 to 1. The Dodgers are three and a half to 1. And then take the over in every single Orioles game. Those are the three ways to make money this MLB season. Okay, so I'm looking at the I'm looking at the odds right now mm-hmm. on my bookie, and it, I'm looking at the Orioles specifically, and they're over under for their game tomorrow, I believe, seven thirty against the Red Sox. Yep, is ten. Ten. So you, you would take the over. Ten. Do you understand how crazy that is? Ten. What are the other over unders? Are there other ten run over unders? I uh, uh, just you're looking at a couple games no, tomorrow. That's the only one. <laughs> what are the other ones? Just read off some of the other over unders. All right, so I have uh, Braves Mets is at seven. Seven, three runs less. Okay. Tigers Reds eight and a half. Two and a half. Jays Rays is at seven. Seven. Uh, Marlins Phillies eight and a half. Right. Uh, The next highest, other than Baltimore and Boston, is the Rockies and Rangers at nine. Everything else is below nine. More than ten percent. Okay, this is game one. (laughs) I'm just saying. That's what uh, baseball knows, guys. <laughs> baseball <laughs> knows. They went. This is terrible. 
These teams are going to give him so many fucking runs because we don't have the continuity of starting pitchers. Starting pitchers play in 25 games. They get 60 this year. They're going to play in 10. All right, so give me a couple more teams that have poor poor pitching staffs because yeah, I might be able to parlay the Orioles with something else and, and you know, try something. This you know season. the second worst, season. second worst pitching staff is the Red Sox. Oh, oh, okay, that over-under makes sense then. Yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. The Orioles are going to give up 10. You lost your mind. The game tomorrow is going to be 10 to 8, and you're going to look at it and go, the over-under was 11, and it was 18 points scored. That's the way it's going to be. The fucking Orioles are so bad when it comes to pitching that you're really, really, really going to struggle to uh, miss the mark, so to speak, on uh, the over under, bet it every time. You're gonna win forty. You're gonna win forty two to forty five times. You'll lose fifteen to twenty. You'll you'll win ten games out of the sixty. You'll win at a seventy percent clip. Everyone's gonna think you're a genius, and all you're doing is saying, "I just don't think that the bad teams are gonna do very well," and you're gonna be fucking right because the Orioles are going to score runs and they are going to give them up faster than they can score them the Red Sox are going to do the same thing there there are a couple teams that uh, in the AL there are some really really bad teams that are going to give up runs Um, you could see it out of Seattle but I don't know if Seattle has the offense see the thing that the Baltimore has that benefits them is they have multiple 20, 30 home run hitters on their team. So they can get points. I see. So at any given moment, they could hang 10 on you. They can hang 10 on you. Now, if they hang 10 on you, the, the trick is they've given up 14. <laughs> That's just the truth. Because the other side is the other teams. See, everything's a balance. You have to understand full picture. Um it's the kind of the same philosophy, not to go on a complete tangent here, but uh, a lot of people are really high on Kyler Murray winning the MVP because they saw Lamar Jackson and uh, Patrick Mahomes do it. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I think that's sl- I, I think you're you're just dumb if you say that because you don't really understand the full scope of why Lamar and Patrick Mahomes won the MVP. These are teams that these are players that took over a good team. You know, in Lamar's case, he took over a team. They go ten and six. They go to the playoffs. They get bounced. He comes into his second year, full time starter, goes to MVP. Patrick Mahomes takes over a team from Alex Smith that was a playoff team, won a playoff game, goes to the next round, gets eliminated by the Patriots, comes back. Patrick Mahomes takes over. New story. They get eliminated by the Patriots, but he in his MVP year, it's the same thing. These are talented individuals who are on talented teams. Kyler Murray is not on a talented team that's well-coached, that's... uh, um, Not a Kingsbury guy, huh? uh, Well, okay. Why should I be? Uh, I'm not a Kingsbury guy either. I'm just asking you. Let's say you're a Kingsbury fan. What would you tell me? Okay, year one, you sucked. Okay, tell me why I should believe in you. Just <laughs> All right, hold on. To be fair, I feel like the beginning of the year was a dumpster fire for them, and at some point they made some adjustments and improved at least a little bit. Okay. You you, you improved a little bit. What did they end up the season as? Uh, what, they win five games, I think? 
five games. So let me double check that. And and this is where I go. You 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 get in love with teams or players for the wrong reasons. Don't get sucked into Kyler Murray as the MVP. Kyler Murray, in order to win the MVP, has to beat has to be a one or two seed. Period. Or a running back. That's why I like running backs this year because you don't have to be a one or two seed to win it as a running back. And Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson both won it, so you could see the media skewing it to a running back just to a give a finger to everyone who's anti-running back. But uh, I digress. Um, the Kyler Murray is going to have to overcome uh, the team that was represented in the Super Bowl two years ago, and that's the Los Angeles Rams, right? Okay. Five, ten, and one. That's where they were. Perfect. So five ones, yeah. So you're going to have to overcome the Rams, which are probably the worst team in that division besides them, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. Okay. Now you're going to tell me that Kyler Murray is going to beat them. Cool. Maybe I can see that. But that's their prerogative. Who went to the Super Bowl last year? Was it the 49ers? Sam? Francisco, yeah. Ah, okay. And they're still not better than Seattle either. Weird. Oh, that's the kicker. So you're a team that wasn't represented in the Super Bowl two years ago. You weren't represented last year. And on top of all that, you don't even have the best quarterback. So <laughs> uh, tell me where you're going to jump. Just humor me. Any of those teams. Why should I believe that you're going to jump any of those fucking teams because the Cardinals have been fucking terrible for 10 years. So you're going to jump the 2019 Super Bowl representative. You're going to jump the 2020 Super Bowl representative. And then you're going to jump Russell Wilson. And Kyler Murray's going to do all that fucking shit in two and one offseason. Yeah, no, I don't see it. No, no. Here's what I want. Not for my money. Someone, if you follow someone who says Kyler Murray and they quote Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, unfollow them. They will lose you your whole fucking wallet because they don't know what they're talking about. They don't watch football. They don't understand football. They're just a fan. Don't get sucked in. That's all dog shit. That's all bullshit. And it doesn't mean anything. Look at the facts. The facts are the Arizona fucking Cardinals are going to have to fight through the Rams, Super Bowl, the 49ers, Super Bowl, and Russell Wilson's Seahawks. No slouch. Perennial double-digit win team. Okay. So, you know, Lamar Jackson had to go against uh, the Steelers, who got bounced almost universally every single year. Um Patrick Mahomes had to go against who in his division? I mean, who? Who? Uh, the Drew Locke uh, Denver Broncos, the Derek Carr Raiders, or the Philip Rivers Ragdoll 40, uh, Chargers? I'm sorry. They're just not the uh, same. A cakewalk. Stop getting caught up in, oh, I missed the train. I may as well jump on the caboose of it. Five, there's another train that's going to leave. Just wait. Catch the next one. Don't try to be late to the party. You're going to miss it. Get to know your hosts. Get to you know, know everybody. I know that we never get back-to-back -back MVPs in the NFL, but do you think there's a chance that Lamar comes he comes away with it again? No chance. Unless he goes 16-0. No, so, so, what so if they pull 10, up another 14 and 10%. 10%. The MVP is a narrative, a narrative thing. 
The MVP is narrative. It is everywhere. There's a reason why LeBron James doesn't win it every year. There's a reason why Coach of the Year rarely goes to Bill Belichick, although it should go to Bill Belichick every goddamn year. Uh, it's a narrative. Um, there's a reason why... I, well, I was going to say there's a reason why Drew Brees never won. The truth is because Drew Brees just isn't as good as everyone thinks he is. But we'll have that conversation when he retires and I stand on that hill and everyone looks at the facts of Drew Brees and realizes that Drew Brees actually wasn't that much of a clutch quarterback and Drew Brees could never really get it done. They won one Super Bowl. That does not make him a dynasty quarterback. That does not make him a great all-time quarterback. Eli Manning, for fuck's sake, during the same fucking time frame has two. Get out. Get out. You're yeah, not allowed in here. On here. I, I would be hitting the air horn if I had one right now. Get out. Uh, uh, Matt Ryan's been to one. Drew Brees been to what? One? Uh, two. Two. I'm just saying. You hold him on a pedestal. I fucking hate it. That team has never done anything other than what most franchises do, which is win one fucking Super Bowl. Congrats, you go to the playoffs every year. Who gives a shit? You never can win. Uh, during Cam Newton's yeah, run, they both been the same amount. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm just looking at looking at the standings right now and seeing who has the easiest path, you know, through narrative. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little Aaron Rodgers MVP. No, you're you're you're. So I I've I've broken this down. Hold on, here, let me pull up my MVP data. I do a little bit of data work, um, and 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 I believe this year's MVP will either be one of two things. It'll be a repeat player. Meaning you will get either, and here are your here are your repeat options. These are all the players. And yeah, Brady could get. wins twelve games. It says, but yeah, go ahead. Brady's not going to win twelve games. Their offensive line is in shambles. Brady can't move. They're going to be in trouble in Tampa Bay in that regard. Uh, here are your options: Lamar Jackson, right? Pretty good. They could go sixteen yeah. and zero this year. That's possible. You, you you, that. you, if Lamar goes sixteen, no, he gets it again. Just call a spade a spade. Um, number two is Patrick Mahomes. Okay, pretty good. You could take either one of them, and you could take both of them and still win money. Um, Tom Brady's an ex-winner. Cam Newton's an ex-winner. Matt Ryan's an ex-winner. Aaron Rodgers is an ex-winner. So you could, you know, do you say that one of those has a better chance than someone else? Probably. You're probably going to look at the. I mean, what do you? Who do you think is going to be the number one seed in the AFC besides Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes? I just don't see it. Yeah, no, it's probably going to be one of them, too. Okay, so you got to bet on one of those, too, for the AFC, unless you want to look over at the NFC. And the NFC, uh, Drew Brees has never won it. Do you think Drew Brees is going to have his best year ever? Uh, no, but I could see him getting some pity votes if he has a strong year. Yeah, he's gotten pity votes. He's never collected on. Pity votes don't get you. Uh, what? There's a quote from... Uh, uh, there's a movie called The Rock with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. And there's a moment where they're kind of going back and forth between them. Sean Connery being the, the, this noted uh, criminal and Nick Cage being the scientist where Sean Connery turns to Nick Cage and goes, uh, you know, uh, losers always talk about their best. <laughs> Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. And that, that's the point. Drew Brees cries about his best. He ain't never fucking a prom queen. He ain't. He, that's not him. Look at this dance from 2004 on. Three running backs have made it, Drew. You haven't. You know what that tells me? You ain't good enough because all the other ones have made it except one. Russell Wilson's the only outlier that I could see potentially winning an MVP. The problem is Russell Wilson's team talent and offensive coach, Pete Carroll, 
don't put the ball in Russell's hands like they should. They won't do it because it's not his philosophy. It'll cost them. I got put Pete Carroll for that. Yeah. Let Russell throw that bitch 50 times. Uh, I would just be shocked if he did that, especially with no offseason. It's just not his philosophy. So you really look at yourself going, okay, I want to take Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. You can actually take Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. And if you put the dollars amount right, uh, you can win money regardless of one of them winning. I think that's your smartest play of the year in order to win money in betting this year. But if you're looking for an outlier for MVP in the NFL, you are only looking at one position, and that position is the one that everyone deems is the least valuable in the NFL, and that is running back. If you Derek want, Henry, baby. So the problem with Derrick Henry, uh, and I do like Derrick Henry. I do like Derrick Henry. The problem is I don't think they can win enough games to get him in that running. Um, if they win the division at, at 11 and 5, he can get it. Right. So tell me, you give me the reason why, if they get to 12 wins, you tell me why Dak Prescott is not MVP. Uh, because Ezekiel not, Elliott's to, MVP. To this, I'm not a Dak Prescott guy. I'm not a big fan of him. But if they get to 11, 12 wins, you know the media machine is going to be rolling. Yeah, but they won't be rolling with him. He'll be on a one year deal. They're going to give it to Zeke. And that's my dark horse. Ezekiel Elliott is the dark horse MVP of this NFL season. It's not fucking Kyler Murray. It's all, Give me the team that was just finally got a coach from the 2000s who's won a Super Bowl, who will lean on the run, and uh, give me a division that's weak. So I follow the same kind of thought process. Team that's good, a lot of talent. Coach comes in. Really changes the way they all look at it. They lean heavily. They have this great passing offense. All these weapons on offense. But what does that actually mean? Does that mean that you should be taking advantage of Dak Prescott? Or if I tell you that you're going to line up with three great wide receivers, wouldn't that mean you could never stack the box? So let's ask ourselves the question, who benefits more out of a great, great wide receiver core? The quarterback? Or the running back. By the way, they have a top five offensive line. Who's really going to benefit here? Is it Dak Prescott? Is the media going to give it to Dak Prescott? Or if Ezekiel Elliott has 800 yards receiving and 2,000 yards rushing on a 12 and 14, who's getting it? If Zeke rushes for 2,000 yards and adds another 800 receiving yards, he better win MVP. That would be a, a crazy season. Right. And that would be his first season under a real head coach. Now, last year he had, uh, what did he have? 1,600, no, 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 sorry, sorry. 1,357 yards rushing. His total yards for scrimmage for 1,700. So he had 420 passing yards. So what you're basically asking in an offense that's competent, he puts up, 700 more yards rushing and 400 more yards receiving. If you tell me, I just think that's more likely than Dak winning it. I think putting the ball in Zeke's hand and running Zeke nonstop over and over and grinding the clock. And when you need to, you go to Elliott. I mean, you go to Dak. You let him make the big plays. But he's going to be big chunk plays with the wide receivers they have. What's going to be available 
is because they have an offense that can control the line of scrimmage and because they have wide receivers that require you to play deep because you're terrified they get behind you, it leaves Zeke to rush for six yards per carry. I just feel like if you're really looking for a dark horse, go look at the running backs. And here's the MVP data to a little back me up. Since... uh, 2012, there has not been a running back who won the award. I get it. But before then, there were three. In eight years. Sean Alexander, Adrian Peterson, LaDainian Tomlinson. Sean Alexander, shout out. Sean Alexander, LaDainian Tomlinson, Adrian Peterson. I think we're overdue. I think think that the... The real dark horse, if you're looking for a dark horse, I, again, I believe the MVP will be Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, or Lamar Jackson. Those are the three for me. But if you're really looking for a dark horse, really looking for a dark horse, go with Ezekiel Elliott. I think you can get, like, 50 to 1 on him. And, you know, that's what you're looking for on these odds. You're not looking for... um, you're not looking for, uh, oh, Dak Prescott, the media will be all behind him. Will they? Uh, does, you don't think Jerry Jerry Jones wants to push Dak Prescott's name over Zeke Elliott? I don't know. Uh, his wallet doesn't. I know that. I, I, I think his actions don't. I think that's the big problem, is his actions don't mean that either. Uh, I think, And I think Jerry's got good control over it. If the Dallas Cowboys are 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 eight and two, I think a lot of the they're gonna look at Dak Prescott and go, well, they gave Dak all the weapons. Of course Dak's doing well, but Ezekiel Elliott is the one carrying that team. I think that's the way people are gonna look at it. I think they're gonna look at the stats and go, Zeke's stats are so much better this year. And Dak's while Dax are probably going to be good, I think people are going to fall back more on Ezekiel Elliott over Dak Prescott. And I think that if you're looking for a dark horse, don't look at a quarterback on a team that hasn't made the playoffs in six years. Look for a team that has a running back that can take over a workload like we've never seen before. And I think that under Mike McCarthy, the Dallas Cowboys are going to run Ezekiel Elliott 30 times a game. And what do you do when you're up big? You know what you do? You run the ball. And that's just going to pad his stats. You don't throw. You run. So, I, I think... Zeke, Zeke is an interesting pick. I, I wouldn't have, that's I my wouldn't dark have come horse. up with that one myself. That's my absolute dark horse. Uh, I, I'm, for the record... You a little something on that? Um, I won't because uh, the math won't allow it. Um, my math is going to go, I'm going to go Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. So I can make money betting on those three. Uh, but if you are, you do want to play the dark horse game, I, I just don't believe that this year will be a dark horse year. I believe we've seen the transition and the turnover. And now we're going to get the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes show for the next, like, six years. There's going to be some other people. I could see Russ winning one in there. That's why I'm going to take Russ and kind of boost my numbers. But like I said, I I really like uh, those three. And I can't fit anybody else on there and make money. Okay. I'm not mad at that at all. 
I just, for me, I, I'm not going to put money on Dak Prescott, but I feel like if they get the 13 wins, I mean, last year, where was he was almost at 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns, 11 picks. If he can improve under McCarthy and get over 5,000 yards, get over 35 touchdowns, maybe keep the picks either the same or a little lower, and they have 12, 13 wins, I don't know, man. You know how the quarterback narrative goes. I, I know, but so those stats you just gave out, a pretty good indication of he can perform as well as he wants. Uh, it doesn't necessarily translate to wins. Um, I think that the player that has the most to gain, when you look at that and you go, well, you already threw for 5,000 yards. You already threw 30 touchdowns. Why didn't they win? Okay, well, Ezekiel Elliott has 2,000 yards this year and then 800 receiving. Or let's say it's 600 receiving. Uh, you think people are going to really look at the numbers and then uh, I just look at it and go, uh, I, I, I think that when you when you parse out the numbers and people do start to look at the second tier of it going, well, Dak's numbers are, are pretty comparable to where they were the year before, but Zeke's numbers look great. I think where we're disconnected here is that I just don't see Zeke getting 2,000 yards. Yeah, I think Mike McCarthy's going to run him into the fucking ground. So, uh, you can get... <laughs> very possible. I uh, would if I was the coach. Ezekiel Elliott's current M- NFL MVP odds sit at 66-1. to 1. Derrick yeah, Henry... Just throwing just a little something on it. Just saying Derrick Henry's 33-1. to 1. Do you believe Ezekiel Elliott should be twice what Derrick Henry is? Saquon Barkley's 33-1. Yeah, to I see Henry getting 2,000 yards before I see Zeke doing it. Dalvin Cook is... 50 to 1. Derrick Henry, 33. Saquon Barkley, 33. Do you know how stupid that is? Saquon Barkley. You know how stupid you fucking have to be to put money on Saquon Barkley? You know how stupid you have to be to put fucking money on Christian McCaffrey? He's 33 to 1. That team ain't winning six games. But the the Panthers are not going to win enough games for all that. Dalvin Cook's 50 to 1. Uh, He had a great year last year. Didn't get a sniff. The Vikings have a great year. Kirk Cousins is... Yeah, Kirk Cousins is going to get that award before Dalvin Cook does. Right, and I think Zeke will get it over Dak. So that's where I'm at. If you if you want a little a little something, uh, that's my favorite bet for MVP. Um, and it follows the same logic. Give me the team that's you know they were close to a playoff team last year. I think Jason Garrett holds that team team back so fucking much. But that's that's my belief. Um, I believe that your coaching matters more than uh, anything else on a basketball field, your organiz- a basketball field, football field. Um, and, and that's kind of where, where I go with my money is, is following, following that logic. So. Okay. Yep. Uh, so, you know, we're going to be really, I, I think we're going to be kind of tailoring this as we go into watching how COVID plays out. Uh, how COVID affects these teams. The NFL is still working on figuring out how they're going to put these teams together um, and what they're going to present as far as a product. Baseball is still scrambling. The NBA is following the TBT model, which so far I think they've said zero positive COVID in the last, I think, since Monday. So uh, I think that the NBA is doing a pretty good job about isolating and getting the right people into the right positions. Uh, and empowering their teams. And I think we're going to get a really good product coming up here next Friday when they all tee off. Um, 
But t- yeah, I don't know how the other sports plan on handling this, but I don't really see it. For now, for now, while these numbers are high, I don't see how you can continue the season without a bubble. You know, like you're going to have people coming in and out. You're going to have staff coming in and out. You're going to have people working in the stadium coming in and out. Like, I feel like it's almost inevitable if you're not going to do the bubble. Some NBA, some NFL teams have said that they're going to still hold fans. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, I saw the Falcons were, were planning on, on having fans at the stadium. And it's oh, just like, Georgia. Like, oh, yeah, no shit. Georgia and <laughs> Texas. You're like, oh, the fucking dumbasses. Uh, oh, God, of course. Oh, here's baseball's got Rob Manfred sitting up on a on a screen and they're going to ask him how could everything be so fucked up Rob and he's going to look at his screen and go well I really don't know what the fuck I'm doing uh, because that's evident to everyone and that's the same thing with football some teams have said they're not going to have anyone in the stands and they've already said that and then other teams go well we'll have 50% in the stands why not and you go well oh, just a little something, something just a little something something like every fan isn't going to congregate down towards the 50 yard line no we'll keep them separated it doesn't matter they're going to be grouped up um but you know it's good to see who believes in math and who doesn't uh who believes in science and who doesn't and and i can tell you the teams that don't believe in those things are going to have a tougher time in the long run and are good indicators for you on what teams are smart and what teams are dumb. Um, Now, there are going to be plenty of people that listen to this podcast and go, they feel they're on the other side of the fence and and they feel strongly that way and they're going to fight against it. But, you know, uh, at the end of the day, science is science and math is math and, and they do evolve as time goes on. But, when you look at the rest of the world that's following science and math and doing a pretty good job with this virus, then you look at where we're at and we're doing not, uh, you know, I think that there's there's something to say about who aligns on what sides. Uh, you know, MLB testing players on Tuesday uh, and then getting the results back Thursday before their opening day tells you that that's an organization that just doesn't care about their product. Uh, they just want to make money. And teams that are focused on winning money don't win championships. That's just a bottom line. Um, did you watch The Last Dance this year? Uh, the Last Dance was exactly that. You watched a team that refused to uh, believe they could make money without paying people and decided to let their championships walk away to try to make a dollar. Okay, it's not a new philosophy. So uh, you can learn a lot by watching which teams are intelligent and which teams aren't. Again, uh, the NFL teams, just to give you an idea, right now the NFL is requiring all teams to uh, submit a plan for testing, reinforcement, how they're going to handle their games, how they're going to handle their staff. Uh, and that has to be reviewed by the NFL and the NFLPA, and both those, both has to agree on that. There are only nine teams right now that have come to that agreement, uh, and most of those nine teams are the upper echelon of football. Uh, look for that. Look for the teams that are prepped and prepared for a chaotic season. Those are the teams to bet money on. And the teams to bet against. Like I said, I've already given out the Orioles as a, as a good bet because they fucking suck top to bottom as an organization. So bet against them. It's easy money. They're going to suck in a chaotic time. They're going to suck more than other teams. So bet heavily against them and win a bunch of money and laugh at them. You know, that's, that's, my, that's my look. 
Hey, man, at the end of the day, I'm just happy that we have something to bet on again. Yep. All right, I think we're good to wrap here. Uh, we've walked through NBA, NFL, and, you know, we didn't touch NHL, but we've touched MLB, NFL, and NBA. Uh, we have NBA kicking off next Friday. MLB is kicked off now. And, of course, uh, the, <laughs> the the... This is a great time to wrap because the uh, Yankees and Nationals game is now entering into a rain delay on opening day. Uh, not much oh, else. Oh, just not much else. Uh, one of my one of my bets today was to take this opening day and take the under uh, because they I thought they would get. Uh, and here's another sneaky thing: uh, in baseball, it's the only sport where you can do this. But take a look at the weather and then bet the under. Because if they get over five and a half innings, they're going to call the game. But you're going to miss the bullpen where runs are normally made up. So take the unders, take short games, and win money. But that requires you to look at the weather. Uh, Tonight, I took the under in this game because there's a huge storm cell moving through D.C. because I live here. Uh, Right now, I've got about a a run and a half, two two runs to deal with. We'll see if they cancel it. We'll see if they bring them back out. Uh, but that's something to look for. Baseball's unique because you can get a game canceled. doesn't have to play all the way through for them to count the game. And you can just take the points and run away. Uh, it's kind of easy money, but just keep an eye out for it. That's a good tip. I, I hadn't factored in looking at the weather. I actually I do do that when, uh, when it comes to NFL. Yeah. Uh, if I see it's going to be a rainy, ugly game, I'm normally going for that under. But I, I hadn't bet that on baseball yet. Yeah, you can look through uh, for baseball and they'll call shit early. So you get that under in and they play five and a half innings and they just call it. Um, now you got to get to that five and a half innings. But then again, that's what's important to look for the weather. So as we wrap up, parting thoughts. No, I'm, I'm excited for basketball. Like you said, we got to wait until next Friday until it really counts. Uh, but for now, I'm going to be watching these watching these scrimmage games and trying to figure out who I'm going to put my money on when the playoffs start. Yeah, a couple things. No whammies. We don't want anyone to get hurt. We just want everyone to get in shape. Uh, I like what the NBA is doing, spacing the players out on the bench. I don't really understand it. It's one of those half measures. They're going to be close to each other when they're on the court. I guess it's just for appearances. Um, I've liked the backdrops of these games so far surrounding uh, the court with the home team's colors. Uh, but but look for continuity. Look for what the leaders are doing on the field. Look for what the owners are doing. Look for what the owners are saying. And this goes for every sport. Look for teams that are organized over those that are unprepared because that organization goes all the way through. You're not going to win just off of pure talent alone. It never happens in sports. Everyone's too talented. You have to be organized. You have to be precise. You have to be on the ball. So I do want to add one more thing about the NBA. I don't always watch games with the uh, with the sound on with the announcers on sometimes i'll put music on and watch the game while i listen to music or you know i don't always listen to the broadcast and in the last couple days i haven't really been listening to the broadcast and i can't tell a huge difference you know i I know there's no fans out there and if i turn the sound on i'm definitely going to notice that but from a fan's perspective if you know if i throw some music on while i watch this game it's almost the exact same thing to me uh, the NBA and MLB uh, have both suffered from this. The NFL suffered from it, but they've they've remedied it with a couple new stars, including Tony Romo. 
Uh, the whole point of having commenters was not to tell you what the score was or when someone made a bucket because you can fucking do that for your fucking self. Um, it's about giving you insights into the game. Uh, that has been lost for the most part in baseball and the NBA. Oh, it's gone in the NBA. You it's, never hear analysis. It's all people just clapping their cheeks, uh, and that just doesn't help anybody. Um, but that that's what, you know, you bring up a good point. Part of the game, if I don't have to listen to it, I'm, I'm not getting a full product. You know, like, I watch NFL games just because Tony Romo is going to give me more insights. There's people to do that. It's just you're putting out, I don't want to hear a cheerleader tell me what's going on in the game. It's no offense to cheerleaders. If I wanted to know what was going on, you know, pre-cheer, how you get through your route to your floor routines, things like that in the cheerleading department, I, I, I'd ask you. Um and that's all that NBA announcers are today. Well, oh, look at that shot. Yeah, no fucking shit. <laughs> I fucking watched it. Tell me how they set the defense up. Tell me why they switched to a big lineup. Tell me why they switched to a small lineup. Tell me why this person's taking the ball inbounds. And, and, and here's the thing. There are plenty of people that know all that. You just put the, the cheerleaders in the booth and let them rah-rah for the teams. It doesn't pump people up the way that they think it does. I'm not watching the game to hear the person go bang when they hit a three. I'm just not. Right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not doing that to Mike Breen. I love that bang. Look, the bang's fine. But imagine if the whole time they were giving you in-depth analysis and then hit you with the bang. The bang wouldn't be... Uh, the bang wouldn't be the point that... You, the bang would be the cherry. It wouldn't be the right. whole ice cream. Right now, they're going, that's the ice cream. When you go, wow. Yeah, yeah, I, bang is the ice cream right now. Because when I hear that bang, that's the only thing I'm waiting for. That's it, though. That's crazy talk. You're not going to listen to the whole game for that. You're probably going to have it muted, like you just said. Yeah, no, I, I really don't listen to the, the announcers too often. Uh, when it gets to the playoffs, I might you know, I might listen to them a little more. But regular season, for the most part, no, I got... I might have my headphones in. Yeah. I might, you know. And that's a problem because you're not fully invested in it. But that again goes with organization and what you're putting forward with. Are you collective? Are, are you know? What do you? Oh, I love this NBA setup of going to the booth. I think it's a great move. But, um, you know, we'll see as that goes. All right. As we hit a rain delay, as the NBA game winds down here with the Lakers. Oh, J.R. Smith getting some time. Uh, who who fouled? Unfortunately. Any parting thoughts, again, before we close out? Nope. I don't have anything. Uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Pick and Scroll. And I actually have something new. I've been uh, working on some NBA highlight videos, actually. Uh, so you can find me on YouTube, also Pick and Scroll. Yeah, and those, uh, I retweeted one of those earlier today. I thought they are pretty good. I don't think they're just highlight videos. You had some good breakdowns on, on, on how people react to plays and what they're in for. So everyone should everyone should take your time, go follow them, pick and scroll. Uh, pick and scroll. Pick and scroll on everything. You are going to – there was good breakdowns. I saw you on a lot of videos. We expect more of that to come. You can find me at Pick and Play. I'm a little lazier. Uh, me, I'm just going to tweet out what bets I like and why I like them. I'm a little, you know, I, I, I just don't put in that kind of work on, you know, that's just not my skill. Um, I'd love to be able to. I'll tell you this. I see you editing those videos and putting them up, and I'm like, God damn. Um, if only I had 
that kind of thought process uh, is really something that's nice to see. And I, I expect to see more of those videos through the NBA playoffs from you. Hey, honestly, I know you just finished saying that you're, you know, you don't feel like doing that kind of stuff, but I feel like you could probably add a lot of insight on the NFL if you decided to ever get into that. Yeah, maybe one day when I'm, when if I pick it up as a full time job, uh, or you know what, the truth is I'm just I'm just lazier more often than not. Uh, that's just <laughs> There's nothing wrong with. That. That's just I'm the doing truth. it out of boredom, honestly. Yeah, well, look, you know, you're a better man than me. Well, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Pick and Play Pod, you can find us. Pick and Play on any, any platform now. Uh, Please rate, review, subscribe. As always, take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next week.